enjoying your young years should be about the people in the places and the things that you get to experience and not so much this thing that makes you forget all of that. back to another episode of the Steph Deegan podcast. It's your host Steph, the one and only person in the room. This episode is a solo episode and I've only done one other one like it. So it's a good time. I'm excited. I think I need to update everyone on just parts of my life that I have failed to update on previous podcasts with. So let's go back to September. I was in a corporate job at a fintech company. I was doing data analytics and data science and my heart wasn't happy. I was stressed all the time like one is at a one or a nine to five that is particularly a startup where you have to wear a lot of hats which is fine but I was burnt out and I I felt like my strengths really lie with people and at the job I was working I was debugging code all day for eight to ten hours a day I was staring at a computer screen a bunch of code was just looking back at me and there was no human element to it there was no psychology there was no science in in the sense of like emotional intelligence and psychology and neuroscience which is what I've been geeking out on lately so an opportunity presented itself in which I was offered a really great salary and also my dream job or so I thought so it was to be essentially a fitness influencer for a company that I love and adore and believe in and I I chose to do that and I chose to leave my nine to five and it was the scariest thing ever my parents were freaking out telling me not to obviously very hesitant about me leaving something so secure and taking a little bit of a risk. So I left my job. They wanted me to stay. It was awful. It's kind of like a breakup, honestly. They like beg you to stay. You feel bad. And then you don't know how to be like, it's not you. It's me. But it's also kind of you. It was hard. But it really was more so just me needing a totally different gig. And so I thought I was chasing after my dream job and I was so excited. I woke up that morning of the first day of my new job and I was like, I can breathe like this is amazing. But honestly, sometimes the things you think you want in life and the dreams that you think will make you happiest leave you feeling the most unfulfilled. And that's what happened to me. So I thought that dream life of filming my workouts, editing videos, recording what I eat, posting on Instagram, making stories, making content, laying out and getting tan midday because I can and I can work at 7 p.m. if I want to. I thought that was my dream life. And the harsh reality was that it didn't make me happy at all. And there are a lot of reasons that go into that, but... I just want to make something super, super clear about this dream life and this California dream and this chasing 
these fantastical goals. It's a little different on the other side of the fence. I guess what I'm trying to say is everything I thought I wanted turned out to be not at all what I wanted. Everything I thought I hated about working for a corporation or having some stability and routine in my day-to-day and having somewhere to report to and having things to do that are structured, everything I thought I hated, I ended up really missing. When you are on your own completely and your job is to do something that actually is really quite easy, to be honest, it leaves you kind of unhappy. Or I guess it left me unhappy. I felt like I wasn't thinking critically enough, solving complex problems. I felt like I wasn't using my brain (laughs) enough, as weird as that sounds. I truthfully felt very unmotivated and kind of sad and a little bit depressed. And after learning what I have about dopamine, it makes sense because dopamine without effort is a disastrous route, which is essentially what I was doing. I was videoing my workouts. I was filming what my recipes were. I was I was doing these things that actually weren't that hard and it didn't require a lot of effort and I was getting paid for it, but I was getting that dopamine. I was getting a bunch of new followers and likes and people DMing me and asking me so many questions about the program and all these things and there wasn't a lot of effort. And when I'm talking about effort, I'm talking about periods of intense focus. Periods of intensity, complex thinking, problem solving, something where it would feel like almost a struggle and very, very challenging. And instead, I was just doing something that was quite frankly very easy and then getting all these dopamine hits. So eventually I became kind of desensitized to this this level of dopamine and my baseline changed and I was kind of miserable. So I only tell all of you this because I think it's important when you think I'll be happy when. I'll be happy if I can quit my corporation and my my nine to five job and I can have my own business and do X, Y, Z. It's freaking tough. You lose health insurance. You lose all your benefits, which can be stressful as shit. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I mean, it's tough. Entrepreneur life is tough. And when you think something is as great as you it seems like it almost always isn't. That's what I've also realized just being in California. There's so many people that seemingly have it all. And they're always posting. They're making content. They're doing all these crazy things. But I've seen the other side of it when they're not in front of the camera. And I've talked to some of these people and they're miserable. And they can't trust anyone. And they think everyone's using them. And there's no structure in their life. And there's no... It's it's just so crazy. Like this was such a beautiful lesson because I always thought I wanted this more efficient lifestyle, aka do less work, get more out of it. But honestly, that's a recipe for sadness. I miss working hard. I miss having so much to do and and structure. And honestly, my energy since having not worked at a at a job where I have to show up and be there and perform my energy's gone down. It's quite opposite of what you would expect, actually. You'd expect my energy to go up because I have all this time now and I have more flexibility in my schedule and I can do all my errands whenever I want. But no, no, an object in motion stays in motion. I'm not in motion and I feel unmotivated and kind of sad. And 
It all makes sense given all that talk about neurotransmitters. But anyway, I thought I would just loop you all in on that. I'm currently processing this new stuff where I realized all the things that I I thought were below me, like working a nine to five job and having a boss and all this. I thought that was all shit until now. And now I'm like, I miss that. I, I am someone that loves some routine and structure and I like being given problems to solve (laughs) and it's just a beautiful lesson so sometimes what you think you want might not be what you want but I don't regret it because I learned that now I know now I know that maybe that easy lifestyle that like oh I'm gonna go lay out now because I don't have a boss breathing down my neck no I I realize that I don't want that (laughs) so here's to my next chapter stay tuned not sure what i'll end up doing i'm still toggling between a few ideas but i'm excited and i have faith that everything is going to be okay let's see what else can i update you on i didn't do anything for halloween this year at first i was slightly bummed out i'm not even gonna lie i felt like i was potentially missing out for a hot second (laughs) and that's just when i was listening to a really good song and driving down the street and watching all the people in costumes walk by and go to parties But then I realized the only reason I feel like I'm missing out is because what I see on social media and what I'm seeing around me. And if I actually put myself in that place of being at those parties, I know I'm not probably having that much fun. I'm not just saying this to justify how I'm feeling, but if I'm being completely honest with myself and the more that I just listen to what I actually want, the more I realize that's just not me. And I want to tell you about this dream that I had before I get into the episode because it kind of intertwines. So I had this dream that I went back in time to childhood. And instead of me being the child, I was actually my present self watching the children play. And I look over at this one little girl and I'm like, who is that? Is that me? That looks like me. I think that's me when I'm younger. And this other girl there, there, she must have been a friend of mine. She was like, no, 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 that other girl is you. And I'm like, really? I just feel this weird connection with that little girl in the corner just sitting there all alone. I just felt like that was me. And she's like, no, 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 it's the other girl. And I just remember feeling for her. She was alone. She was really quiet, but she was so sweet and just smiling and not playing with all the other kids. And then time went on, I was playing with all the other kids and I watched my younger self not include this little girl and like not in a mean way. She just wasn't really inclusive and, and aware, aware that this little girl may have wanted to join in. She just wasn't very warm and welcoming. And later on in the dream, my parents told me that little girl, yeah, she passed away. And I remember thinking to myself, And I don't know if I was the child version of me or me now, but I remember just hating myself for that because I was like watching this girl sit on the sidelines whom I felt so connected with and I just let her watch and I didn't include her and love her the way that I should have. I felt pain in my heart and I'm not even just saying that. I woke up with such pain in my body and I was sobbing when I woke up when I found out she passed away. I was sobbing. And it was so intense. It was so weird how emotional I was. I woke up in pain. I took some ibuprofen and I laid in bed and then and then I woke up for real. So that was a dream in itself. I always have a dream within a dream. 
but I still felt this immense pain. But I also had this like realization of what this dream meant because dreams are super metaphorical. If you listen to what your dreams actually say, you'll find some very interesting things that your subconscious is trying to tell you. I'm not making that up. That's sleep studies, doctors, all backed by science. Dreams are very, very metaphorical. So I was like, what could this mean? And then I realized the day before I was having a conversation with a really, really nice guy that works at the same place that I work. And we were talking about our struggles with anxiety. And I was talking to him about my journey and kind of how I'm growing with it and managing it better. And he's like, you're so hard on yourself. You just need to love yourself and accept yourself and have more grace with yourself. And I was like, damn, you're kind of right. Like, I'm so hard on myself. I feel like I'm never doing enough. I'm never good. At, like, I'm, I, I just feel like I'm never excelling. Like, I just want to be the best at something. And since I'm a jack of all trades, I'm always just like, God, I'm just never there. Never there. I'm almost there, but I'm never there. And he's like, you just need to start having some grace with yourself. And that was the same night that I had the dream. So I woke up the next morning and realized immediately that little girl that I felt so deeply connected with was actually me and the Stephanie that I neglect to talk to. Like when I talk to myself... Okay, that sounds weird. But when I when I have self-talk, I tend to speak very strongly and negatively toward myself in the sense of, come on, you're not doing enough. Do more. You're lazy. You're behind. You're you're getting old. Do this now. You're already so behind compared to all these little 20 year old TikTokers, whatever. And I realized I don't talk to myself like I would talk to the sweet little girl that I am deep down, as weird as that sounds. I need to be talking to myself Like I would talk to her instead of someone that like just doesn't deserve to be talked to the way I do now. Because at the end of the day, we are still our child being. And I honestly think I think we know more who we are at that young age than we do in our 20s. Even I think when we are in elementary school or, you know, five, six, seven, that's when we know who we truly are. And I think the noise in the in-between in those adolescent years is when we get pulled away and pulled into what society deems is best for us and how society sees us fit. And then when you reach 25 or your late 20s, even 30s for some people, you start to go back to that self, that young self, that child self that knew what they wanted. It takes people sometimes longer than others, but all that noise in between kind of leads us astray. And then we realize, damn, like my eight-year-old self really knew what I wanted in life. Maybe the artist comes back in you or maybe scientist nerd comes back in you, but it doesn't matter either way. It's it's so interesting. It's like a full circle. It's just we come back to our childhood self. We knew ourselves more deeply than ever. This podcast is turning into something I wasn't even planning on talking about. So <clears throat> let's course correct. You're gathered here today to discuss the topic of drinking. Dun, dun, dun. More specifically partying because... I feel like this needs to be discussed and I just I kind of want to know if I'm alone here or if other people feel the same way. I don't think I am. I think there's a lot of us out there who don't particularly enjoy partying. And before I say any of this little disclaimer, I don't think you're stupid for partying. I don't hate you for partying. I don't think any less of you for partying. 
I don't think less of you for doing drugs. I don't think less of you for drinking. I don't think less of you for partying in general. But this is just how I've been feeling in my personal experience. And then I also have to disclaim that I am not a medical doctor. And I will be discussing a little bit of science in this episode. Because I think it's really important. And it's really freaking interesting. So if you don't want to listen, get out. (laughs) Just kidding. I love you all. This kind of came about in the last few months because I've had a bit of a come down from California and when I first moved here I did a lot I was going out a lot I still wasn't drinking a ton but it was enough to where I got it out of my system whatever but I didn't ever really feel fulfilled by it and I never really got drunk drunk I just would go to things that involved drinking so I did a lot of that and then a few weeks ago I went to a wedding with a guy that I had only been on a few dates with and I had this inkling in my stomach for some reason that he was an alcoholic or just had something like it's so weird because on the dates he didn't drink a lot like he had like three drinks maybe which is kind of a lot in the definition of alcoholism but not so much for a 6'3 guy that's like big and strong whatever and he's an actor so he's in the industry I kind of just had this inkling I'm like I don't know why I just feel like he may have a drinking problem and I was like you know I committed to this wedding I'm gonna go to this wedding so I meet him at the wedding and it's it's a few hours away And he offered to drive me up, but I just had this feeling, no, I'm just going to drive, just going to have my car, and just in case. I also didn't know if I would be staying at the hotel that night. I barely knew him, and I just wanted to have my car, because I'm a control freak, okay? I admit it. I also, I'm just not that, I'm not the type to do like a one night, even sleepover kind of thing. I have to get to know people before I really step over that line. But nonetheless, I drove, I meet him there. We go to the wedding. Everything's great. You know, he's showing me his audition tapes. He's classic narcissist, but it's fine. Realized it very quickly. Definitely not someone I would probably date, but it was fine. We laughed. We had fun. And then we went to the reception and the alcohol started. He had a few drinks. I had two. And for some reason, I was just like, Steph, eh, you probably shouldn't have any more because you might have to drive home later. And what do you know? My instinct ended up being correct. So I was sitting next to this guy and we were at the wedding reception where the food started coming out and that meant the wine started coming. It was a very cultural wedding and he would finish a glass of wine and then raise his hand and flag over the waiter to refill it. He would do this about 20 times in the span of an Mm, 45 minutes an hour. And I'm not overestimating this. I mean it when I say it was probably 20 times. I've never seen someone drink so much and I hate admitting this, but I knew he was really not going to be good, but the hotel was a quarter mile away and we eventually were about to leave and I told him I'll drive and he's like, no, 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 you're not driving. You're not driving back to San Diego. You're not driving. You've been drinking. You're going to get a DUI. You're not driving. And I'm like, I'm fine. Trust me. (laughs) Like, let me drive your car. And he was like, no, no, no no, 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 you cannot drive my car. You'll get a DUI. And he starts driving and he starts falling asleep at the wheel. And then he missed the turn. And then we almost hit someone head on. And then he got closer into the parking garage and I was like, I'm going to get out. And he made it halfway down the ramp and fell asleep at the wheel. Like on the ramp. We're halfway down the ramp. He braked and fell asleep. And he puked outside of the car like stuck his head out the window and puked 
And at this moment, I'm like, oh my God, I need to get out of here. So I got out of the car. He was probably so confused, but I didn't give a crap. And I went up to the room to get my stuff as fast as I could. And I boogied all the way back to San Diego. And the reason I'm telling you this is because the next day I just had this, I felt sick. Like watching someone that messed up, watching him fall asleep, head rocking back and forth, puking. Like it's, it's just sad. Like I don't understand how we went from enjoying wine with friends and family and you know feeling a little bit loose and warm to this this culture where puking is kind of okay like oh it's the weekend it's fine I blacked out whatever it's insane how many people I've met that blackout every weekend too and it's like I don't understand <laughs> I don't understand it and I never have I never have I've can honestly say I blacked out one time and it wasn't a full blackout it was you know I remembered bits and pieces but I hated myself for it not because of this ego thing but more so because that's just a shitty feeling like my body I love my body and I I put a bunch of poison and toxins in it and it's just like I just don't understand the point of getting that bad I thought the point was to socialize and enjoy yourself and just feel a little bit more loosened up so maybe you talk a little bit more and you dance a little bit more, but not to change you entirely and not to make you forget about every single thing that happened. Isn't the point of going out and socializing and being with other people to remember that and have memories? I thought the point was to make memories. If you don't have memories, like, I just, I don't get it. To me, it's just so rarely worth it. I'm talking about the nights when you have more than a couple drinks. Like I'm talking about the nights where you are what they would consider binge drinking. I can't name a single time when getting that drunk was ever, ever worth it, particularly the next day and also during it. And, and then it begs the question, was the event or the people you were with so boring that you had to get on that level to feel something? These are just things that have crossed my mind lately and I think it's just this realization that memories and and making them and enjoying your young years should be about the people and the places and the things that you get to experience and not so much this thing that makes you forget all of that. And that could just be me. That could just be little sensitive stuff, not enjoying what everyone else enjoys, but it's just gotten out of hand. Like, I don't understand how getting that bad has become so socially accepted, I guess. But I'm pretty sure the definition of a drinking problem is someone that consumes more than three beverages in one sitting or something. Or it's like the definition of an alcoholic. And when I read those definitions, I'm like, okay, then everyone I know is an alcoholic. <laughs> just kidding. Not everyone, but a lot of people. And it's, it's kind of hard to accept. I don't, I'm not against drinking in the sense of like having a glass or two of wine and, you know, enjoying that with friends and feeling a little buzzed. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all enjoy it. I'd be lying if I said I don't love the feeling of being a little buzzed. But when it gets to this point of like not remembering things, puking, like stumbling all over, texting someone that you don't want to talk to, it's just, I don't think that lifestyle is meant for me. And I'm trying to make this personal so that I'm not shitting on anyone. And I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm just explaining how I've been feeling. And all of this has kind of brought me into this more introverted space where I don't go out and do a lot anymore. 
And I think it's because I kept seeing the same thing over and over again, the same people over and over again, doing the same things. And I think subconsciously it kind of hurt me. It hurt me to see people that I care about needing so much from a substance to either feel something or to feel nothing at all. And it killed me. Like I care about these people and people that I don't even know when I see them like that. Because we can all laugh and be like, ha, they just had a bad night. It's deeper than that. We all know it's deeper than that. I think anyone that has to get to that level is really trying to not feel something or they're trying to feel something. My heart breaks for them. That's no way to live. My space alone has given me a lot of time to reflect about this and kind of where I stand with the whole drinking, partying, drug situation. And it's just made me realize even more that Maybe I'm not depressed or introverted. Maybe it's just that the things that I was repetitively seeing and experiencing made me exhausted. It's not that I don't love people and interaction and doing things. It's that I like doing things with people that make me feel whole and fulfilled and happy and joyous and laugh instead of people that push alcohol in my face and make me feel like I need to drink. Or do drugs just to be on their level. But what if my level's good enough? I love my level. And again, I'm not talking about having a few drinks. Of course I'm going to do that. I enjoy that. I love a good glass of Cabernet. I love going on a date and getting to know someone over a drink. Like It just makes it so much more fun. But I'm talking about going and getting wasted and drunk. It's just not me. And I find myself retreating a lot to avoid all of that. Let's talk about why people push, why they push the alcohol in your face and why they're so adamant about you drinking. I've kind of narrowed it down to three different ideas. So the first idea of why I think people push alcohol is it's a projection and they feel guilty about them drinking. It's kind of like when your friend is like, oh my God, I just really, really, really want some donuts. And then you're like, oh, okay, like get some donuts. And they're like, don't you want some donuts? And you're like, no, like I'm, I'm kind of full this morning. I don't really feel like donuts. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to get them unless you do. And then you're like, okay, I'm not that hungry. And then they're like, okay, I'm not getting them. It's kind of similar where it's guilt. They, they feel this guilt that they want to indulge in something that they know may not be entirely good for them. And you know, eat your donuts. Everything is in moderation. But... It's the same, I think, when it comes to being at a party and you say, I'm not drinking, and then they continue to push it. And I think it's really because they are feeling kind of shitty that they're drinking that much and they want you to feel the same. This isn't everyone. This is just one of the ideas. The other idea I have is they maybe want you to be slightly suggestible. I think it makes other people more comfortable to know that you're not mentally all on point and they feel a little bit less of a risk of being judged. They feel like maybe you won't notice every single thing about them and how they're acting if you're a little messed up too. They might not think that you're watching their every move. And sadly, I think it can go a step further. I think sometimes people want to sleep with you. And if you're not drinking, the chance of that happening could be way lower. I've had a lot of guys in my lifetime be like, are you getting drunk tonight? You better be getting drunk tonight. Why aren't you drinking? just constantly refilling my shit and it's like they don't care if I'm completely inebriated they want to know that I'm more easily suggestible in terms of 
allowing things to happen or maybe going home with them. You got to be careful with that. I think the last reason could be they may genuinely want you to have fun. It it might come from a good place and they may genuinely just want you to have a great time. However, that's because they don't understand that you don't need it to have fun. And, And I don't say that lightly. I think they physically don't understand that you can have fun without it because they can't. How can they understand that if they don't feel that same way? If they need the substance to have fun, they are not going to understand you not participating. They'll probably think there's no way. She's going to just be like crabby and uptight the whole time. Blah, blah, blah. So those are kind of the three reasons I narrow it down why people push because it happens all the time. So how do you handle that? You be bold. I learned this the hard way. I would always give excuses. I'd be like, I got to get up early. I'm driving home. But guess what? They're going to counter that with a solution to it. They're going to be like, We'll push your workout to later. Oh, no, no, no. I'll Uber you home. I'll Uber you home. Don't worry about it. You're not driving. So excuses don't work, sadly. You just got to be bold and be like, I'm not drinking tonight. Thanks. You would be surprised how much farther that goes. I think people respect it more. You sound more confident in yourself. There's less wiggle room for someone to come up with some insane solution just to get you to drink. It's crazy how far people go to get someone to drink. If you go to a party and you don't feel like drinking, be like, I'm not drinking tonight. Thank you. You you don't owe them anything else. You don't owe them another explanation. You don't have to go to every party and feel like getting drunk. You could go to a party and feel like having one drink, maybe two. Or you could go and not feel like having any. Or you can feel like getting wasted. Whatever you choose, it's your decision and no one else has the say and the power to change that. So the bolder you are, the more confident you are, the less wiggle room there is for other people to inter- intervene. And... That's what I found works the best, especially with pushers. Now let's get into a little bit of the science behind alcohol and its effect on the brain, just because this is a little fun. The brain gets affected in the short term, obviously, because alcohol blocks chemical signals between neurons. So that's what leads to intoxication. And then this results in the slurred speech, the impulsive behavior, the poor memory, the slow reflexes, anything that you see when slow reflexes not refluxes oh my gosh i'm always thinking about gut health over here that's what you see in all those crazy people on halloween stumbling across the streets and like puking and slurring their words and fighting with their boyfriends whatever so that's the short-term effect and then the long-term effect of this heavy drinking the brain adapts to these blocked signals by responding much more dramatically to neurotransmitters so then when alcohol leaves the system the brain just keeps overactivating these neurotransmitters. And then that's when those withdrawal symptoms come. So there's a short-term and a long-term effect of it. Now you're like, okay, what does this do to my brain? Like, what's the harm? The damages include neurotoxicity, which is what it sounds like. So neurons overact to neurotransmitters for too long. And then too much exposure to a neurotransmitter can lead to more neurons burning out. So you just get neuron burnout. And then this relates to slower reactions of the pathways. So you're going to see that like slowed down version of these people. And then there's brain shrinkage involved with drinking. So they found in studies that there's reduced volume of gray matter, which is cell bodies. And then there's also reduced volume of white matter, which is cell pathways. What does all this mean? It means cognitive impairment, baby. So slower processing speed, memory issues, issues with problem solving, impulsivity, which we all have too much nowadays because of our handy dandy little cell phones, 
And this is also really scary because adolescents are so much more at risk when when they're young because their brains are still developing. So the damage can also be long term or permanent, which is really scary. It's like we all wondered why our parents were so hard on us. No drinking. Da da da. If you tell me I'm not going to or if you tell me I can't, I'm I'm going to do it. But then now I'm like, okay, (laughs) they were just watching out for our brains. The good news is if you've been drinking a lot, you can reverse the damage, which is surprising. But what that would take is abstaining from drinking. So not everyone wants to do that. It's probably better to have a more moderate approach to drinking in the first place. So you don't have to try and reverse the damage by being completely abstinent to alcohol. So it's probably and more likely beneficial to just approach drinking with like a few drinks every now and then instead of let's get hammered every weekend and then I'm going to have a drinking problem and then have a lot of health issues and then I have to reverse it by not drinking anything and I can't even enjoy a glass of wine at my own wedding, things like that. So the damage is there. It's a little scary. And some of you may be wondering about weed. Um, I don't personally smoke or do edibles or anything like that i feel slower the next day i tried edibles for sleep and i felt honestly stupid as shit to the next day and so slow in brain fog and i'm like i don't like this i also felt like my memory sucked and guess what that's not wrong there is science to that as well so dr amen i love his work love 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 his work he's actually the psychiatrist for justin bieber and other really affluent artists He did a thousand different brain scans of marijuana users and every single one of them had brain shrinkage. So I've always felt marijuana does this to people like all the people I know that smoke a lot of weed are a little bit slower paced. They're not even dumb. They're just so slow. Like (laughs) everything they do is almost in slow motion. They have no sense of time. They're always just kind of in the clouds, even when they're not high. And I always just felt like there's got to be something to this because every single one of them has this like their memory struggles. I just there has to be something to it. And turns out there is. In addition, he also did a study that included 62,000 brain scans in order to see what accelerates aging of the brain. The first thing was schizophrenia. Guess what the second thing was? Alcohol? No. No. Cigarettes? No. The second thing, the second most prominent thing leading to the brain aging is marijuana. That is the second most prominent thing that accelerates the aging of the brain. Incredible. I I would have thought alcohol would come first, but turns out there is something to this. So if you don't like smoking either, it's okay. They claim there's all these health benefits and there are some, but... If you don't like it, trust me on this, you're going to be sharper. So moral of this entire podcast is if you don't like to party, it's okay. It's actually more normal than you think. Your body is saying, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And I think there are a lot more of us out there than you may realize. And if you're that friend, what do you do? It's isolating. You might lose some friends. Actually, I can guarantee you will. But be bold. I'd rather be alone than be friends with people that push something in my face that I don't want. I'd rather be alone than be around people that don't make me better. I'd rather have one friend that supports me and what I like to do than have 
15 to 20 friends that black out every weekend. And that's just me. If you do that, I have no hate toward you. I'm just coming from where I'm at personally in my life. And I've always, always had some hesitancy toward alcohol, partying, drinking drugs. I just don't, I've never understood it. I view life as this full, bright light and this beautiful thing. And I'm so happy every day just to experience that in itself. And to alter that state of mind for me doesn't work for me. And, and I don't deem it necessary. As I said, I'm not opposed to a few glasses of wine and a few drinks here and there. It makes you warm. It makes you loose. It, it creates a little more laughter. But if you can't have fun without it, that's not ideal. And I don't ever want to need it. The goal is to be able to feel more bliss through less. The goal is to have more joy without having more things. The goal is to smile more. And the goal is to have more serotonin and, and work harder and create that dopamine through effort and just be and, and enjoy life every day. And, and like that's why the balance part of it comes in is, yes, you're going to drink sometimes if you want to, and that's okay. And you shouldn't ever hate yourself for that. But just take note of how you feel. Are you coming out of the weekend on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, feeling depressed, anxious, feeling stressed, feeling like you're exhausted. Just reflect on that. Is that worth it? And then to do it all over the next weekend and start all over the next week. It's it's just it's it's exhausting and your body's trying to tell you something. Most of us ignore that anxiety or depression the next few days and we think it's just oh, it is what it is, but that's your brain. That's your brain health. I want my brain to work as sharply and as fluently as possible for as long as possible and i also want to enjoy life so as with anything the poison's in the dose so with that i hope you enjoyed this random solo episode on my thoughts on drinking and partying right now as well as my thoughts on chasing after your dream job in quotations so i guess all of this points to this underlying theme of finding joy and fulfillment in the simplest things and not needing that extra boost from external sources. So I'm going to go watch a movie because my brain's been working too much today. I love research and I love science. So if, if you want to hear more of these episodes where I bring in some science, let me know. I try to provide more information around this kind of thing because most of us don't like to research it or have the time to. So I want to bring more awareness and just um, provide more of this information for the general pop. Except none of you are the general pop. You listen to this, you're freaking badasses. You're out there killing it. Waking up every morning with a smile on your face. You are going to the gym early. You are going to the gym whenever you want, actually. But yeah, none of you are general pop. You're all freaking go-getters. Love you all. Oh.